Hey, fellas, uh, get a load of this shit. Uh, t- tell me how you feel about this one. Welcome to Lamentining the Leafs. I'm your host, Cameron um, McCachron, uh, along with Nick Richard and, and Keith Whipple. I've been sitting on that one for a while. I'm too hung up on that horrible pun to start the show. Uh, that's, that's exactly the way I wanted it. Uh, so perfect start. Um, training camps in the books. We're about 48 hours, uh, almost on the nose as we record here from puck drop on another leaf season and all all kinds of directions we could go here. But uh, let's start with that. Uh, Certainly the surprise of training camp. And the one thing I don't think any of us would have penciled in three weeks ago, Frazier Minton will start the season, not just with the Leafs, but seemingly as the third line center. Nick, uh, what's your read on where Minton's game is at right now? Well, he certainly has kind of come out of nowhere. I don't think that he was even in the conversation to be a consideration for the opening night roster when camp started a few weeks ago. I think the hope was just that he was going to come in and show well and head back to Kamloops with lots of confidence, go be the the go-to guy there, earn a spot on the World Juniors team. But he just continued to to stack up good days. And as Sheldon Keefe said, the, the biggest thing was that he never really took a step backwards. He just continued to, to build on his game and put together strong performances. And I just think the thing with Minton is even when he was drafted – it was just lauded for like the the pro style traits to his game, and I think that's been evident throughout the preseason. He just he's always in the right spot. He doesn't cheat for offense. He's really responsible defensively. He's got the the size, the strength, and the brain to compete defensively and cause havoc on the forecheck. I think him and Matthew Nyes have have developed some nice chemistry throughout the preseason, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them try to build off that when the regular season gets going here. But definitely a surprise that Minton has made it this far. I don't know how long he's going to stick around necessarily, but if he is able to stick around and give the Leafs solid minutes at that third-line center spot, it drastically changes the outlook of the forward group for this season. Well, that's the big question uh, right now, kind of going in, right, is, is you know, how long is this going to last? And we'll, we'll get into that more a little later when we do some uh, season predictions, etc. Um, but it, I'm not going to confess to have, you know, watched a ton of preseason. But from what I did see, I mean, the puck hounding and like you said, the brain really stand out. Uh, Keith, what were your impressions of, I guess, you know, what you saw from him and and the news that you know he's gonna start with the Leafs yeah I think like everybody said so far really the the smarts and the kind of defensive responsibility has been what has had him stand out and the forecheck is you know tenacious and you, you get him and Nyes going together guys with lots of reach and just kind of that puck hound mentality and just extremely good along the boards at kind of causing havoc and um, you know you hear the term like hard to play against used a lot and it, that doesn't always mean that somebody's going to drive you through the boards, right? It's it's just the, that kind of like dogged determination thing. And I mean, if anything, looking at the lineup before the season or before training camp started, the third line center was kind of the the one spot that didn't really seem to make a lot of sense. So then you start thinking, okay, was Domi going to be somebody that they look at there? You can't really have David Camp as your third line center, can you? And then the Nylander experiment happens. So like there's just... It's it's a perfect storm of you know a kid winning a job in the in 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 the training camp and it just having to you know having happening to be the 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 one area that they probably had the biggest hole up front and, and Nick um, I I was just curious uh, wanted to talk a little bit about his season in the dub last year in the WHL because 
like he obviously had some some really bright moments. Uh, a lot of those came while, you know, some of the guys who were keeping him down the depth chart were away at World Juniors. And then uh, my understanding of it was, you know, it, he, he kind of at times struggled to kind of find his footing once once those guys came back. Uh, still, you know, overall had a, a very strong season. But like it seemed like a sure thing that, you know, like you said, go back, be the guy this year, dominate, do everything, you know, be the guy who who leads the rush pp1 every night like ultimately that's going to uh, to help you know ha- have a more well-rounded game once you once you ultimately come up but um i, I mean just shocking to see that he, he's kind of already at this this level just did, did not expect to to see it and obviously was was a huge summer for him yeah well the strange thing is you've got a guy coming in who was drafted in the second round like a little over a year ago and he hasn't even been that go-to star player for his junior team. And here he is, you know, making a case to stick with the NHL club for the regular season. He's at least going to get the chance to prove that he can. He, he had a, a solid year last year. He continued to build on, the, you know, his draft minus, or his draft year, sorry. He put up 20 goals, 55 points in 67 games during his draft year. And even with missing a little bit of time last year, and being relegated further down the lineup as Cam Loops loaded up, he still managed to put together 31 goals, 67 points in just 57 games. So there was significant offensive uh, progression there for him and still continued to, to round out the rest of his game and prove to be a reliable, uh, a reliable piece for his coaching staff that they could just kind of throw out there with a variety of different line mates and different minutes, different situations. And he just, he proved capable of handling that. Now it's just, the question kind of becomes, you know, it's one thing to decide whether or not Fraser Minton is ready to handle third line minutes in the NHL today, but you also have to consider what is best for his long-term development. You know, like he's going to take his lumps in the NHL. He's still a very young player with lots of developing to do. But that's not to say that he he can't continue that development at the NHL level should he show that he is capable of handling those minutes today. But I, I think it's it's going to come down to how he looks in these first nine games. But thankfully, you know, I'm sure we'll get into the Sam Lafferty trade a little bit more as well. But w- what that trade did was kind of create not only an opening on the roster for another player uh, like Minton, it also gives the Leafs the flexibility to carry an extra skater into the regular season. So while Minton is still with the, the big club, they don't necessarily have to run him out there every single night to begin the season while he's still kind of getting acclimated, getting his feet wet in the NHL. It, they have the option to kind of just keep him with the big club, keep him learning, get him in there when the situation calls for it. And if he needs a, a breather or just to watch a game from the press box and just kind of refresh it, his view of things, they'll have the ability to do that now. So I, I think there's no denying that he's at least earned the opportunity to to get this nine game audition to begin the season. And it's just going to come down to how well he handles those minutes. Yeah. And as you mentioned, uh, corresponding move, Sam Lafferty sent off to Vancouver in exchange for a fifth rounder in the coming draft. 
and I was I was never really sold on Lafferty. Like you, you obviously saw the the you know the speed, bit of grit. Like I thought he was a useful player, and he'd have a role. Um, but I, I just you know I, I I was never really a huge Lafferty guy. So I I'm I'm certainly excited to kind of see the uh, the roster machinations here, and and you know see Minton get the shot. Uh, Keith, I, I know that you were kind of fairly keen on Lafferty at times. What did yeah. you make of of him? Being being the odd guy out. I just think it, it has more to do with how much money he makes. I, I just think yeah. the Leafs yeah, need... Yeah, if they have any flexibility at all, he's certainly a valuable piece to the bottom six. Yeah, the Leafs need what he brings to be at that 750, 800 grand mark. Like, that they can't... They're, they're not in a position to have, a, a, you know, a bottom six guy making 1.1 million that isn't going to provide a ton of offense. Um I, I like. I think he's a prototypical bottom six player in today's NHL. I think he, he's got speed. He can kill penalties. He can hit. Um, you know, he doesn't shy away from that physical game, and he has shown the ability to score too. Um, I think he had double digit goals last year, right? Like, so he's not completely, um, you know, inept offensively. But I just think it comes down to that they can they look at Noah Gregor and think that that's exactly what we need or what we were hoping to get out of Sam Lafferty. And it's going to save us three or $400,000. And it really kind of comes down to that. So I, I, again, I think he looked good in flashes as a leaf. I think he was pretty useful in the playoffs last year. Um, but at the end of the day, he was a bit of a throw in, in a bigger trade, right? Like it's not like they gave up a ton to get him. Um, they don't, they don't lose him for nothing. I, I think you can look at the Sam Lafferty experience and just kind of say, okay, cool. It, you know, you don't have to it, it didn't lose anything didn't really give up a ton he served his purpose but they were able to hopefully get an equivalent player for for less money yeah i think that's really what it boils down to gregor does bring a lot of the same elements that lafferty does and it, it all comes down to that flexibility right you're going to sign a player who's a few years younger you're going to save a few hundred thousand dollars on the cap it, it might not seem like much but with how tight things are not only for the leafs but around the league that that every dollar does matter when. Mm-hmm. You know, oh my God! Let me try that again. Ooh, what was that? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I knocked some. I knocked something down. <laughs> so they can sign a younger player who brings a lot of the same elements. He, he's going to save them a few hundred thousand dollars on the salary cap. That might not seem like a whole lot, but you know, in today's NHL, with not only the Leafs but everyone kind of jammed up against the cap, every dollar matters. And that flexibility really is key as they head into the season. You know, you don't want to be constantly running a 20-man roster and not being able to take an extra skater on the road with you, things like that. So I'm excited to see what Gregor can bring as well. Uh, He had a really strong preseason. He scored 10 goals in just 57 games with the friggin' San Jose Sharks last year. So he's not completely inept offensively either. I think uh, it's a situation that kind of worked out really well for the Leafs that they were able to have this guy come in and just be almost kind of a direct replacement for Lafferty. So obviously Minton being at the third line center slot means that the uh, William Nylander experiment did not last terribly long. Um, What were your thoughts on it, Nick, in the, the, you know, few games that we did get to see? Well, I mean, it's obviously a super small sample size. Even if it had lasted for uh, for the duration of the preseason, it still would have been probably too small of a sample size to draw any major conclusions from. But I don't necessarily think that Nylander getting moved back to the wing 
is an indictment on how he performed while playing down the middle. I really think it has more to do with how good Minton has looked throughout the preseason. And maybe it was just a, a case of the coaching staff going, hey, maybe this kid is our third line center. And we don't have to try and shoehorn Willie into this spot. We can leave him where he's been successful, leave him riding shotgun on one of those top six lines with Matthews or Tavares. And that's really probably the the best way to set up this forward group for success. But I don't know if that's possible without the emergence of Minton. So that's the one thing that really makes me think they're going to give him a legitimate look to to stick with the club for the remainder of the season obviously if he's able to do that it's best case scenario for the Leafs because it just really balances out the the rest of the forward group yeah and I get the idea I like the idea of you know obviously giving Minton the look but I, I guess the question is like what if you know he doesn't stick he goes back after the nine games and you know then what are you doing at, at 3C and then you lost you know the rest of camp and you know if the, if the move is ultimately to put Nylander back there which is why I, I kind of think that that won't be the move it would yeah. be camp or it would be something else you know they've still got Holmberg down there in the minors who you know, he proved that he could be a capable NHLer last season I thought he also showed fairly well throughout the preseason you know not as flashy or didn't steal all the head lines like guys uh, such as Minton and Easton Cowan did but he's a guy that you know can handle NHL minutes at the very least you know so even if they end up having to bump David Kampf up I think Holmberg can can handle that 4C spot if even if he's not ready for the 3C role but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out here uh, as the season gets rolling. Yeah, I think they probably feel comfortable enough that they've got enough kind of dual position players. Like Yarn Croak and, and Dolmy have both played center in a pinch. They, you know, they're they're going to be fine in the regular season. There, this is this team's, you know, not going to be you know s- like scrapping together points to make the playoffs or to get it like to get a home ice even more than likely. So, I think they're probably okay with that gamble, knowing that. You know, and this is obviously getting way ahead of ourselves, but knowing at trade deadline, yeah, that that three C spot might end up being, you know, probably one of the top priorities along with the back end. But I think you look at a band aid solution of Yaron Croak, Domi, Nylander, you know, a few games here and there um, with what Nick just said, and and again, obviously David Camp in a pinch too to to move up to third line center if if Holmberg's not really giving you the the right look and then you, you throw Holmberg in the, on the fourth line so there there's options internally none of it's ideal which is why I think you know if this Fraser Minton thing works this this team looks a lot different and a lot more just like it just makes more sense as a roster kind of construction I think even in years past even when O'Reilly was here. It still was like the, well, you know, the, Tavares moved to the wing and he played second line center. And then there was still kind of yeah. a hole in the third line center spot. It was, it never really always like fell into place the way that it could and should. Um, but this, this is obviously the start of it. Well, I know over the last, you know, year and a bit, or even going back a couple of years and, and having similar conversations about Matthew Nyes, I think you can apply it to Fraser Minton with like, this time a year ago we're almost like wishing he was a year further along in his development because of how obvious the hole in the lineup was for him to fill so you know I think that's remained the case and maybe he's a little bit further along in his development than anyone expected him to be at this point and uh, yeah it's we're gonna find out real soon 
And obviously one of the, I guess, kind of casualties of, uh, you know, Minton making this roster unexpectedly is, is Nick Robertson, uh, who is going to start the season with the Marlies. And um, I mean, you know, you could look at it as as, as a numbers game and, and just kind of say that, you know, Minton earned this or whatever. But and again, didn't watch a ton, but there were like several plays that I saw from Robertson that I, I just thought just not NHL level, just, you know, not completing a, a seemingly simple pass, you know, a couple of poor giveaways. Uh, just there were, were a few times where I just, you know, I was like, this is a guy who's got to start in the AHL. I thought Robertson looked pretty good in the early part of the preseason. But you could almost see him starting to press as the exhibition schedule wore on. Where yeah. I, I think he started realizing, you know, that he was up against it, and some of these other young guys and a guy like Noah Gregor on a PTO were were pulling ahead of him. And the last couple of preseason games, I thought, you know, Robertson was almost like trying to make something happen with the puck before he had even secured possession, and it was just everything looked rushed. His timing was off. And, you know, this is a guy who's missed so much time with injuries. He hasn't played, he hasn't had a season, a professional season anyway, that hasn't been disrupted by some sort of major injury. Not just, you know, little bumps and bruises that have kept him out for a couple of games at a time here, but we're talking about, you know, a serious knee injury, then a broken leg, and then the shoulder injury that required surgery last season and ultimately ended his year. This guy hasn't had a full season of hockey since his last year of junior. I think he's only played something like 82 games over the the last three seasons combined. So I think there's an NHL player in there, but until we see him healthy for a sustained period, no one knows for sure. And that's going to be the biggest thing for him. And I think the best place for him right now to try and get his career back on track and break back into the NHL and prove that he is capable of contributing offense at the NHL level the best thing for him is to start with the Marlies and just, you know, be one of the most important players on that team. Be one of the best players in the American Hockey League. Just try to stay healthy, rack up the points and be ready for when uh, his time comes. Yeah. Injuries are going to happen to the big club. You know, the spots are going to open up inevitably. I have no problem with him going down. He's still only 22 years old and he has not played a lot of hockey. Just Um, turned 22. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I mean, he hasn't played a, a, a game in so long. Like, like get get down there, play every day, go through the the kind of the ups and downs of the AHL season. Like you said, be the best players on the team. Do all that stuff that you said, Cam, about Minton going back to junior and doing. Do that in the Marlies, and you know, the, it's going to happen. He'll get called up at some point this year, and he's just got to make it make it stick when it happens. And you hear reports from all kinds of different you know sources and people and whatever that are close to the team that like no one works harder than him no one is you know uh, taking it more serious than him and I, you can kind of see that on the ice to your point nick about him pressing yeah. like he just looks like he knows that you know there might be something slipping through his fingers a little bit here if he can't get it on the rails and all the pressure and the narrative around him and being too small and not being able to make it. Like all that shit's in the back of his head and that's good to have that as motivation. But if it's causing you to kind of press and not play your game, that the game that makes you the best version of, of yourself, like I, I, you know, you, you've seen that at times both in, in the NHL when he's been up and obviously this whole preseason, he went through that stretch where – um, he couldn't. He just couldn't finish. Uh, I think it was either 
the first like long extended look he had, or maybe it was last year. I can't remember, but either way, you've seen it in, in his game in the NHL before too. Like he just gets all these chances and he just, you know, they're going to go in. Um, but it's hard to stick to that when you're young, trying to just make an impact and, and last and, and make, you know, make your, your, make yourself an NHL player long-term and full-time. Well, watching him towards the tail end of the preseason, it almost felt like, you, you know, like when you're watching football game and there's a holding penalty on first down or something. And, and you know, all of a sudden it's first and 20 or, or even longer. And it's like the team is trying to get all that yardage back at once when they don't have to. It kind of felt like Robertson was doing that uh, throughout yeah. portions of the preseason, like just trying to make too much happen. Um, he, he's just got to let the game come to him. W- one thing that did stand out to me, though, is, uh, and he mentioned this uh, to a couple of reporters earlier in training camp, was he's he's kind of adjusted his skating posture. He's far more upright and not as hunched over like a like a heat seeking missile that that we're used to seeing him be. And I think that's going to help him not only kind of avoid some of those dangerous situations that he puts himself in, but it should also allow him to kind of scan the ice better when he doesn't have the puck on his stick and, you know, really be able to identify the areas of attack when he is in possession. So that's something I'll be watching for uh, when he begins his season with the Marlies. But yeah, the, again, the biggest thing for him is just to go down there, get consistent reps and just try to get your career back on track. Yeah, like you said, it's he's still young, but uh, it's it doesn't probably help, and and probably doesn't help also with like the pressing, like you were saying. When not only is it those guys that they've brought in, um, you know, at the bottom of of the lineup, like Gregor, that you're competing with, but it's like the guys that have been drafted. Like he was the top pick for the Leafs in 2019 in the second round, and like the guys who have been, you know, the top pick since, like Minton, like Easton Cowan, yeah, they're pushing. It looked like they all took kind of a step ahead of him this preseason, and yeah, that's got to be something that's really tough for a player who's probably, he's got to feel like he's been almost robbed of, of, of something the last few years. He's just had the worst luck, and honestly, just really pulling for the kid to stay healthy, and whether it's it's in Toronto or ultimately somewhere else, I just hope that he's able to stay healthy and, and make good on that NHL potential because I I, I do believe it's there. Uh, speaking of Cowan, um, I mean, if if you would have told me back in like the first <laughs> week of camp that one of the Leafs' recent top picks surprised and made the team, I would have been like, hey, good on good on the kid from London, you know. Uh, but Minton obviously kind of really came on strong, but uh, I mean, Cowan really turned some heads early in camp, it seemed. Yeah, well, he he started it off in Traverse City. He was incredible at that prospects tournament and he just he carried that into into preseason and, and just really looked like he belonged, to be honest with you. But I, I don't know if you guys saw the the piece that Justin Bourne wrote a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, when Easton Cowan was kind of all the rage in Leafs camp, it, it, basically the gist of the article was the stakes aren't always the same for every player in the preseason. And you, you know, you've got a guy like Easton Cowan or Fraser Minton or, or, you know, name any other young player fighting for a roster spot. That's just what they're doing. They're coming in and playing their asses off fighting for their lives. Uh, you know, th- these are the, the biggest games of their careers to this point. And then you've got, all the established NHLers who are just kind of trying to get their hands back, not get hurt, you know, get the legs going a little bit. So the, the big question is how those players are able to sustain that level of play when everyone else ramps it up in the preseason and it's full NHL lineups and the games matter. 
So, you know, I, I think we kind of started to see Cowan fade a little bit uh, as that adrenaline maybe wore down a bit throughout the preseason. But there's no doubt that he certainly turned heads and I think has already gone a long way towards shedding that kind of the label of being a, a reach of a pick for the Leafs when they took him in the first round last summer. So, yeah, uh, maybe he's a year away, maybe he's two years away, but regardless, I think the Leafs have to be really, really excited about what they've seen from him so far. Yeah, uh, feeling, you know, even better about the, this prospect pool. Like, like obviously, haven't had a, a ton of draft capital, but have always felt like they've they've been drafting well these last few years. And, and you know, this this camp kind of... Yeah, uh, serious credit to Wes Clark. Uh, solidifies that a, a bit in my mind. Um, but, but that's not what this podcast is about. So let's talk about John Klingberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're back to the, the lamenting portion of the show. Yeah, the lamenting part is done. <laughs> let's let's go back to the the original purpose. Um, Klingberg, it looks like we'll be good to go. Um, you know, missed some time in in preseason, but um, sounds like he'll be all set. Um, seems like he he's going to be in in the top four to start. Don't know about that one, Nick. Yeah, I don't feel any better about the Klingberg signing today than I did when it was announced. You know, usually I come around on these things, talk myself into them. Just hasn't happened yet with Klingberg. Uh, I don't know if, you know, maybe it would be a different case had he stayed healthy in the preseason and we would have got a better look at him. But uh, I'm not convinced about that either. Um, Really, he's, he's maybe the biggest point of concern for me on the opening night roster just because of not only you know the way that his play has fallen off over the last couple of years, but it, he's taking up a, a significant portion of the salary cap at a little over four million dollars. At least it's only for for the one year, so the, the Leafs aren't you know locked into what could ultimately become a, a an ugly contract. But it, yeah, I, I'm just I'm not sure where he fits. Uh, it still doesn't seem like he was the type of player they needed on the back end. I know they had trouble moving the puck. Uh, at points last season and in the playoffs, but I'm just not sure that his puck moving ability is going to outweigh uh, his def- uh, defensive deficiencies. <laughs> so that, it's definitely going to be something worth monitoring. And, you know, it, it doesn't help that he's going to kind of be thrown into the fire here without being able to ramp up during the preseason the, the way the rest of the team has. Yeah, it, it admittedly haven't watched a ton of John Kling- Klingberg in the last few years, but I mean... Eric Gustafson and Connor Timmons couldn't crack this team. I, I don't know why we had to give him $4 million and I don't know where he fits. And he definitely to me doesn't fit with McCabe. I don't, I know you look at that, like, you know, it, it, quick glance. It's like the physical defensive defenseman and the, and the, the puck mover. Full but green like, 100 chemistry in, in EA sports NHL. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. But it's, it's it, McCabe's a, kind of all over the place like he he gets finds himself out of position you know and it's it's whatever like but i don't know i just it it makes more sense to me to to throw klingberg and geo as your third pair and just kind of give them the easy minutes and yeah um but and and like and again we haven't really talked about lilliger and i thought he looked great all preseason in the the games that i watched so flipping those two just seems like the obvious i don't i don't know why it's not like that i don't think it'll be long before that happens to be honest i mean everything that we've said about klingberg and you're 100 percent right keith lilligan looked like a different player like ready for top four minutes yeah ready for top four minutes 
definitely. And this is a huge year for him, right? Like yeah. he's he's going to need a new contract at the end of the season. Uh, I, I know I've been kind of beating the drum for a while that yeah, the Leafs should have been kind of on this, tr- trying to secure him for maybe a, a bit of a discount compared to what he might be worth at the end of the season. But obviously hard to uh, to work on too many contracts uh, ahead of William Nylander at, the, at this point. He might also just say no. Like he might be, he yeah, might know, like kind of want to prove it this bet year. Bet on right? himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's definitely been a slow burn for Lilligren. Feels like he's been around forever playing uh, with the Marlies since he was 18. Took him a while to break into the league, but I think it's it's really been a steady upward progression for him. And I, I don't think his defensive game gets enough credit. I, I think a lot of people kind of look at him as more of like a, not necessarily an offensive driver, but more of like a two-way puck-moving kind of type. And I, I think he is great at that. He's arguably the, the best stretch passer on the team, in my opinion. But also, it, just the way that he's continued to develop defensively and be able to handle those tougher matchups. I think that's something that's really going to come to the forefront this year. And it's, it's going to be due in part to the way that Klingberg struggles handling those tough minutes, I think. So uh, the Leafs are probably going to be banking on Timothy Lilligren to play some really important minutes for them as the season wears on. And yeah, that, that uh, could turn into a, a, a pricey contract if he's able to continue to progress the way he has. Uh, and, and just quickly, before we move on to some season predictions, uh, Miko Kokinen had a, a nice showing and, and uh, remains with the team at this point. Although, you know, we're recording this on Monday evening and uh, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of cap shuffling. So it doesn't really mean much at this point, I suppose. But uh, what were your kind of uh, quick impressions of him, Nick? Well, he did earn some significant praise from Sheldon Keefe, uh, you know, in the latter half of the preseason. I, I believe Keefe referred to him as the surprise of camp at one point. And, you know, it, it definitely was a surprise to see Kokanen perform as well as he did throughout the preseason and earn that praise given the way things went for him last year it was his first full year uh playing in north america after a few years in in uh playing in liga over in finland and it didn't really go great for him he he had a really hard time getting a consistent spot in the marley's lineup had a couple of different stints uh, with the growlers in the echl so it's been kind of a, a meteoric rise for him to be even in consideration as maybe the next defenseman up should injuries arise. But uh, I think that, you know, he's definitely in that conversation. Uh, You mentioned it, Cam, like a lot of this has to do with uh, salary cap machinations and things like that, trying to maximize their uh, LTIR space before the season gets going. But the fact is he's still on the roster and guys like, you know, Simone Benoit, William Lagason, et cetera, they've all been sent down. So, uh, we don't know for sure until the time comes that they need that extra defenseman. But, you know, I think Kokonen showed that he can handle tough defensive assignments. I was really impressed with his work on the penalty kill in particular. Um, he made a number of, like, really impressive shot blocks on the PK. You know, you know, remember last year Justin Hall would just eat them from that one-timer circle all the time? There was a bit of that with Kokonen this year. In the preseason, I thought he did a really good job just kind of boxing out, tying up sticks around his net. And for a guy who's not known as an offensive contributor at all, I thought he looked really confident moving the puck and kind of just activating to join the rush when the situation called for it. So 
yeah, it's it's going to be a big year for him too, just trying to rebound from a, a tough first year in North America, but he's well on his way to doing that. All right, so let's get into some season predictions. And, and I don't think we ever actually reviewed last year's <laughs> predictions. So I probably for the want best. to scan through those off the top <laughs> real quick. Uh, yeah, you're, you're correct. Uh, so we'll, we'll follow kind of the same format we always do, which uh, we start with the Atlantic playoff teams. And last year... The order was the Bruins, of course, with their historic season at the the top, which we all followed predicted. by the Leafs, yeah, and Tampa, and then the Panthers also made it as a wild card, obviously. Uh, so Boston not picked to make the playoffs by myself or Nick. Uh, Keith, you had him as a wild card. Uh, we we all had Leafs, Lightning, Panthers in that order at the top of the division. Uh, I had Detroit in a wild card. Nick had Buffalo. Um, so yeah, no respect for the Bruins, and, and I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like this year. It's it's going to be dicey. I mean, they've uh, got to start to suck at some point, right? <laughs> you would think. You would think. Um, we also predict the division winners for the other divisions. Um, last year, we all got the Metro. And the Central, which were won by the Hurricanes and the Avalanche, respectively. Uh, none of us got the Pacific, though. Vegas won. I had Calgary, Keith, and Nick. You both had Edmonton. Uh, on to the over-unders. We picked a few for some Leafs for last year. Uh, first one, Matt Murray, save percentage, 906. We all said over. We were all wrong. It was 903. <laughs> Jake Muzzin games played. Uh, I had the under. What was it said? You two both were over on 52 and a half. Uh, It was actually four. Um, It was actually 51 in the previous two seasons combined. So if you combine both, it was still under. Side note, Uh, Jake Muzzin was just hired uh, or announced as a hiring uh, by the Leafs on Monday as a pro scout. I believe he's going to be... uh, Working in the Southern California area, where he what spent a, much of his career. Gig. On a gig. <laughs> not bad. Yeah. Eh? That's great. I didn't realize that part. That's yeah. He'll take that. Um, Michael Bunting goals. Uh, we set the line at nineteen and a half, and we all picked the over. It was twenty three. There we go. And the uh, last one, which was null after six games of. Uh, Nicholas Obey Kubel. We had uh, him and Zach Aston Reese combined hits 299 and a half. We all went over. Uh, Even if you include all of his hits after he left the Leafs, it was still under. So, um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the hottest showing. Um, (laughs) We'll try to do better this time. But we probably won't. Uh, bold predictions from last year. Nick and I both whiffed. I had Austin Matthews scoring 70 goals. Nick, you had Mitch Marner winning the Art Ross. Uh, Keith hit uh, right on the nose. Cowley Yarncroak scores 20 goals. He got 20 in 73. <laughs> now, admittedly, your guys' is predictions a little, were a little, a little more bold than mine. <laughs> yeah. Very true. All right. Time to set up next year's embarrassment. <laughs> let's go. Um, let's let's start with the Atlantic playoff teams. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll unveil mine first. I've got the Leafs at number one. <laughs> it, it's got to happen a bit. <laughs> the Panthers, followed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I've got two Atlantic teams in the wild card. The Bruins and the Sabres. Very interesting. I just can't put them out. I, I, I wanted to, but I just can't do it. I mean, you look at that Bruins lineup and, I mean, the defense still looks really strong, but there's just not enough up front, in my opinion. Especially um, in the, down the middle. Yeah, they're really hurting down the middle, especially when you look at some of the teams they're going to be matching up against most often. Um, I, too, am going to go with the, the Leafs to win the division. I know we've kind of predicted this uh, the last few years, but we were talking about it in the group chat earlier, just looking back at last year's opening night roster compared to this year's. I think anyone who doesn't see a significant upgrade in the opening night lineup this year uh, is lying to themselves. Uh, it's just a lot more, especially up front, especially up front. You know, you can quibble with the back end and what they might get out of some of those guys. But I think the, the offensive depth is just way, way stronger than it was last year. So I'm going with the Leafs to win the division. I've got Florida in the second spot and I'm going with the Sabres to, to nail down that third spot in the division. All right. And I will have Tampa as a wild card. I think that Devin Levi is going to have a, a real big year. Mm-hmm. He could come in and swoop the Calder Trophy away from Connor Bedard or, you know, whoever else you want to put in that conversation, Logan Cooley, Adam Fantilli, et cetera. I think, you know, if, if Levi's able to, to secure that number one job or even be like a, a 1A and help guide them to a playoff spot, it, he's, he's going to get a lot of those Calder votes at the end of the year. Yeah, I like him. Keith, what have you got for the Atlantic playoff team? I have Toronto at first. I'm going to go with the Panthers for second in the Atlantic. Third, I am going to stick with the Lightning. I think that Vasilevsky will be back at some point, and I'm just not ready to to move on from them. There's just too much talent. Um, and then I'm going to I'm going to go Buffalo as well. I think Buffalo gets in. I, I think um, what, what you guys just said about Levi, but also Cage Thompson is unbelievable. I think this is the year that they kind of take the next step. They've done a good job of kind of building the team out um, through some of the, the They've trades. They've got a lot more coming too, yeah, that, man. Like, like it, NHL ready, they they are looking very dangerous and then you factor in what their their pipeline looks like. They're, they're going to be scary, but I think this is the year they kind of sneak in. I don't, I don't know what really happens from there, but um, they finally look like they kind of have all the pieces. I couldn't talk about it when we were preparing for the draft back in the summer. Um, because we had our own dynasty draft coming up. I fucking love Zach Benson. Oh, man, he's so I, I, good. I, I, I'm rid- so excited that he made it. It's ridiculous that he fell to 13th overall. Uh, and yeah, it, he's a guy who I think he's going to stick there all year. He's just, he's he's well beyond his years in terms of like on ice vision, just overall awareness and just a complete understanding of the game, dynamic offensive skills. It, it, he, the Sabres got a real good one there and he's just one of many that they have coming. So they're already like on the cusp, you know, just the way we're talking about them here of making noise and pushing for that playoff spot in a couple of years, man, they are going to be a problem. So we have all got the Sabres in Uh, division winners. Let's uh, let's start with the metropolitan division. I have the Canes repeating 
Nick, what do you got? I'm going with the Devils. Uh, I think it's going to be neck and neck between those two teams uh, for, for most of the season. Uh, the, the Rangers aren't going to go down quietly either. I really like what they've put together. I'm interested to see what the Penguins look like this year. I know they're uh, a much older squad. They don't have a lot of young blood in that lineup there, but the, adding last year's Norris winner uh, to go along with Sidney Crosby, Geno Malkin, Jake Gensel, Chris Letang, et cetera, you know, that's, uh, th- there's a lot of pedigree there. So I, I'm going to go with the Devils, but I think it, it's going to be a hard-fought division for sure, and uh, the Hurricanes are going to be nipping at their heels the whole way. Keith? Yep. Going with my guy Timo, it's out. Uh, that's that's uh, yeah. The Devils, I think, I think they've got it this year. I think there's, and I think Jack Hughes is going to be an absolute super. I mean, he already is a superstar, but like he's gonna, he's gonna, he might, he might be, you know, heart finalist. I think he he just looked so good last year, and he's still so young and getting so much better. I, I, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. Yeah, two really good squads, the Devils and the Hurricanes. Um, excited to see those battles. I, I think that with with the Hurricanes, for me, it's the blue line is just crazy good. There's been a yeah. bit of change for New Jersey, so that's kind of where I give Carolina a bit of an mm-hmm. edge. Let's do uh, let's do the Central. Um, I, I've got the Avalanche uh, also again, another repeat. What do you got? Keith, let's go to Keith this time first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I not too exciting here. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with with, with the Avs. Um, yeah, they'll they'll be back on top. Yeah, uh, sorry to be uninteresting here, but <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sticking with the, with the Avs. I as think well. Dallas could make with, it interesting, but I, I uh, ultimately, I yeah. think Minnesota is going to make it interesting. They've got a lot of exciting young talent. Matthew Boldy is a, a budding superstar in this league, I think, and. Uh, they're kind of sneaky. One of the the you know, aside from the Leafs, they're probably the the team that I would allow myself to to root for uh, throughout the NHL season. So I'm looking forward to what they're able to do, and I, I think they'll they'll make it interesting along with Dallas. But it's Colorado's division to lose. Yeah, just so much talent, and presumably not going to deal with as much uh, you know injury as last year. I know they were pretty banged up, so. Yeah. Um, We'll see, but that that's my pick. Um, and to the Pacific, uh, I, I think I just went three for three on repeats here, but um, I, I've, I've got Vegas, and this this is probably going to be the tightest of the divisions, I, I would think. Um, and well, in terms pretty tight of last year, <laughs> yeah, in terms of like the number of teams that could win it too, right? Like, yeah. I, I think there's 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 a lot of teams that will have a puncher's chance there. Um, I mean, Vegas just so stacked still, and uh, you know you'll see how the goaltending situation holds up, I suppose. But um, I mean. I can always find flaws with the Oilers. I have no problem with that. So I'm, I'm happy to uh, to back Vegas for a repeat here. Uh, Nick, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with you uh, with Vegas on this one. I mean, they, they just they didn't really they didn't lose much from the, the team that won the Stanley Cup last year. And they've just been a force ever since entering the league. Um, I think they're going to continue to kind of to run that division. But it's hard to bet against the Oilers. You know, Connor McDavid could go out and will the Oilers to, to 50 wins all on his own, right? So um, I, I think that one's going to be tight. You've also got the Kings and the, the Kraken are on the come up. The, the Flames are looking to bounce back after a tough year. But I, I think it's going to come down to the Knights and the Oilers with uh, Vegas ultimately coming out on top. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Oilers again. I, I went them last year and they came up short. But, I mean, McDavid is McDavid. And I, I think adding... You know, Connor Brown kind of deepens the lineup a little bit where Hyman, you know, might be able to slot in with Dreisaitl. 
I haven't been paying attention to what their lines have been looking like, but um, you know, whether bronze with Jai Seidel or, or, or Browns with, with McDavid, I mean, it just kind of gives them a little bit more flexibility. I think their bottom six is probably still weak. Um, but adding at home, man, when they, they look like a different team when they got at home last yeah, year, Yeah, they, they really did. Uh, he, I mean, they still a little weak down the right side. I like, I like I don't know if is is Cody CC still their best their their top right handed defenseman. It's a little bit I'm kinda like talking myself out of it right now, but at the same time it's still it's still McDavid. <laughs> Evan Bouchard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean it's still it's still it's still McDavid and Dreisaitl, and I think they're 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 gonna make some noise this year. I'll go I'll go with the Oilers. And Jack Campbell can't possibly be as bad as he was last year, so I think there's a you know, a couple more points for the Oilers there too. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting him to be better um like you said low bar um okay let's roll on to some over-unders and uh we've got uh, a few here for the Leafs uh let's start with uh the captain John Tavares with uh his goal total for this year Uh, are we gonna see over or under 29 and a half for John Tavares goals I'm going with the over um, I think especially if Minton is able to stick with the team and they don't need to continue to experiment with Nylander down the middle, it ensures that Tavares is, is probably going to be playing with with uh, either Nylander or Marner for most of the season. So I, I'm going to go and stick with the uh, captain consistency who just you know continues to, to put up around a point a game every season. So I'm I'm taking the over on twenty nine and a half. Yeah, I, I take the over. I just maybe just barely, but um, I mean, yeah, not much. Yeah, if you look at, I mean, he had thirty six goals last year, but if you look at like the last two years where he had supposedly had kind of down years, I think it still averages out in my quick math here to like thirty three, thirty four goals. So I he did a lot on the power play last year. So I, yep. I think and those he's going to get those man. Yeah. He's going to get those those little bumper goals and like or not. I guess not really bumper, but like they're just banging it in front. Like he 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 does that so well where he just kind of releases from the front of the net and gets open. Like that's not, that's good for, you know, 10 goals right there. So like, I, I don't, I don't see him not cracking 30. He's just got, he's just too good in front of the net. And like you said, he's still going to have Nylander or Marner, depending how they shake things up throughout the year, kind of riding shotgun with him. I'm, I'm going to be the bearish one here. Somebody's got the under. Um, it, it's, and I think it's going to be obviously close, you know, like you said, consistency, he, he's been right up in that 30 plus neighborhood. Um, obviously had the huge year his first year with the Leafs, but, um, you know, it, it, he's, he's been right around there. The, the one thing that I, I, I kind of tipped me over to the under, um, side of it was just the power play yeah. as you said it's you know it's been so hot the last couple of years it's been one of the best units in the league and i think it's fair to assume some regressions coming there and you lose you lose the guy who was who was you know orchestrating that power play he's now the head coach in washington um you know there's going to be a little bit of change you're playing around with john klingberg there are you going to have some more of the the uh, you know shooting coming from the point a little bit more of it running through uh klingberg you know he's a probably a little more keen on the one-timer than Morgan Riley has been. Maybe that'll create some chances in front for, for Tavares, but uh, it, it, there's going to be a little bit of uh, movement there. So, uh, you know, I could see him coming just shy. So I'm going to go under on that one. I, I think even without all those variables you mentioned, Cam, like the the pace at which he scored on the power play last year is probably a bit unsustainable. So I think that the numbers will probably come down a little bit in that regard, but I, I still have him, you know, notching 30. 
All right, next one. Fraser Minton, the uh, topic du jour. <laughs> Over, under, pretty straight up here, nine and a half games played. Nick. Well, this one is really tough. Um, I don't necessarily expect him to remain with the Leafs beyond the, the nine games before his contract officially kicks in, but I did not expect him to be on the opening night roster either. Um, I think the Leafs really, really want this to work because of the, the reasons we outlined earlier in the show, just what, what it means for the makeup of the forward group. So I am going to go against every instinct in my body and I'm taking the over. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say the, the kid's going to stick with the club. All right. Yeah, let's go over. Have a little fun. He's going to stick. Yeah, I mean, like what, there, there hasn't been any reason to, to think that he wouldn't other than it just conventionally not making any sense. But I think we're just not used to seeing this stuff happen with the Leafs, like it, especially it, it, not it, in the last ten years. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like obviously Matthews, Marner, Nylander, whatever. Like they were locks, but like there hasn't been a ton of like homegrown tags. You know, Zach Hyman, or maybe I guess, but like even he came in late though. Like he was pretty old when he cracked the the NHL. But yeah, I mean, nineteen years old, second round pick. It doesn't really add up, but. I mean, he, he seems to have the brain for it. He ser- certainly has the physical tools for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll take the over. All right, here comes Mr. Fucking Stick in the Mud. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm honestly kind of inclined to agree, and I kind of think that it's a lot more likely to be over and, and that they keep him than, you know, under the previous management. I, I think that, um, you know, there's probably a little more inclination to, and especially like, and, and I kind of agree, right? Like it's, it's all about winning now. So if you think yeah. he's going to contribute, you keep him. That, and that, that's yeah. bottom line at the end of the day. I do think though that the standard for, you know, is he contributing should, should be pretty high because you know it's it's only nine games and you got to make a decision on where he's spending the rest of the season so if you don't you know completely see it that you know he's going to hold up and he's going to be like a a contributor and like if you're seeing him kind of getting swallowed up at all in those first nine games i i think you got to make the call but i mean I, i would love to see him stick there is also the possibility that he remains with the leafs beyond the nine games his entry-level deal kicks in and they could still send him back to junior at some point after that I, I believe the Oilers did that with Leon Dreisaitl uh in the his first year where they brought him up to the big club it's 41 I, I think games for something about our bright our brights right yeah yeah so I I think the Oilers had had kept Dreisaitl around just long enough that you know the, it wouldn't start to count as a year towards unrestricted free agency, and then they send him back to junior. So I mean, it, teams aren't so much hung up on the ELC years anymore as they once were. So th- there is the possibility that he s- sticks beyond nine games and still finishes the year in junior as well. Yeah, that's a good point, and it's it's you know right in line with you know it doesn't really matter about you know keeping an extra year of. Uh, you know whatever like control whatever you like it, it, it's it's about winning so yeah. yeah if if you think that he can help you for 30 games then you send him down after 30 games that that makes total sense too yeah. um matthew nyes point total interested to see where he's four and a half four and a half keith you go first oh man Just give me a second here <laughs> that's a that's a really Good I'll, I'll, I'll lead off. I'm going over. I got to yeah. be, I got to have one <laughs> positive fucking thing on my 
Bill here. Um, I mean, he, he's going to get significant time in the top six. Like, I, I would be surprised if he spends very much time at all outside of it. And, you know, once he kind of makes that, uh, and I know that right now, you know, he's he's been, he's penciled in, right, for, for the third line um, to, to kind of start off. But, like, I, I think that in terms of, like, the opportunity, it's, it's going to much more closely reflect, like, a, a top six opportunity than, you know, where he starts any given game uh, on whichever line. Like, he, he's going to get power play opportunities, I think. He's going to get, you know, lots of time with the big guys. I feel like he's going to be, you know, still in that lineup when they shorten it up at the end of the game. And, you know, Ryan Reeves hasn't seen the ice for 25 minutes. Eyes uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> is still going to be rolling out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think we saw how quickly he earned the trust of Sheldon Keefe last season. Like, was he not on the ice for every single overtime goal that the, the Leafs scored against Tampa in the first round of the playoffs last year? So it, it's not as if Sheldon Keefe has held back uh, on on giving Nyes the opportunity to be a difference maker. So I think that's only going to continue this year as you know he really establishes himself in the NHL. Um, I think you set a really good line there at 44 and a half. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with slightly over, but it's going to be tight. I think <laughs> I had to, uh, I had to check my notes there and do a quick search of my text history with our pal Leo. Uh, cause he, <laughs> he held me to a conviction. I had, I had to, uh, basically define what was going to be a good season or not um for for nice um but i i i said to him that i think he gets just gets into the low 50s so i'm gonna have to go over all right yeah i i think that that's like honestly yeah if pressed i, w- I would probably put him over 50 like as well. I, I, I think it's gonna be i think i now keep in mind this was like during the tampa series that i said this so i was a little <laughs> a little a little excited but yeah i think i think he could very easily you know sit in in that like 51 52 range um especially like you said if he like he, i don't i mean not to go off on a tangent but like i know he's good and i know that he'll settle in but like i didn't necessarily see tyler bertuzzi running away with that top line left wing spot and like i i could see points of the year where nice is up there with matthews and marner for extended periods of time so i think yeah i think 50s totally possible nice is definitely like unquestionably the the next man up should one of those you know left wing spots not exactly work out yeah. alongside matthews or Tavares. so yeah. I, I think the opportunity is definitely going to be there for him uh, you know, whether it be through injuries or, or performance elsewhere. But there's no doubt, man, this kid is a, a bona fide NHL talent already. And I think he's going to be a really key part of their lineup, even as a rookie. And, and like, obviously, we know about how good the forecheck is and how good, like, the puck retrievals and, and, you know, protecting the puck and all that stuff is. But, like, I kind of keep forgetting that how good his shot is. Like I have to, yeah. I have to factor that in when I'm thinking about it. And like, I, it's just been so long since I've seen him for an extended period of time, but yeah, no, like a ridiculous shot. So yeah, exciting year for him. I think, yeah, but that is a, a good line cam. I, it, I, I wanted to go under when you told me we were going to do him. Cause I figured you would be a little more aggressive with it, but yeah. All right. Last one. Joseph wall starts. We're setting it at 26 and a half way which over. Is, one that I struggled with, and I yeah, I, I was worried that you might just go way <laughs> over. It, so, w- what do you what do you think we're going to settle in at, Nick? Re- reset the line for me. I th- what did Samsonov start last year? 
40s. Samsonov started 40 last year. But Matt, remember, Matt Murray was the de facto starter last year for a while, right? So Samsonov, um, you know, ended up with 40, but, you know, Murray got plenty of, of rope at the start of the year. He ended up with 26 starts. Wall had seven. Shalgren had nine. So, uh, like, obviously, it, it, the, the question, I guess, is like, how, how much of a, how close to a tandem do you think this is versus starter backup situation? Because, uh, like, I, th- I'll tell you that the line that I was kind of looking at first was, yeah, around 29 and a half. And then I kind of was looking at the low 30s. And then I just kind of went totally the other way on it because I, I kind of feel like, you know, Samsonov's going to get closer to, you know, the 50 range. And then Jones is in the mix too. Like they, they never really just go with the two guys, right? So there's always kind of, uh, you know, 10 plus starts that are kind of sitting out there. So w- like what what does Wall get of that kind of pie? Well, you know, if, if Samsonov started 40 games last year, that's... 42 starts that have to be distributed this year beyond that uh, I don't think that Samsonov is a, a 60 start guy by any means and I expect that Wall is going to continue to progress and prove capable of being a quality NHL goaltender I think Wall is going to start uh, you know around 35 games this year 30 to 35 games all right we talked about it with Minton for a second how it's kind of best case scenario for the Leafs for him to be able to handle that third line center job and kind of in the same vein I think it's best case scenario for the Leafs if Joseph Wall is able to show that he's capable of handling uh you know at least something close to a starter's workload as Samsonov heads into uh unrestricted free agency year and Wall is still locked in at an extremely low cap hit which is you know at this point it's below the current league minimum so uh, obviously if if everything went the way the Leafs would want it to Joseph Wall proves that he can be their starter beyond this season what, what was the line you, you originally gave Cam 24 and a half so we we set it at twenty six and a half. Twenty six and a half. Uh, let, let, let's bump, let's bump it up to, to twenty nine and a half to make it interesting. I fucking don't know. This like goaltending goal is so hard, <laughs> man. Because like you're talking about one injury happens and this is all shot to shit. Um, at, yeah, no. If you if you're gonna go twenty nine and a half, I'll go I'll go under. I'll take the under just because I I do think you're right with the fact that there's gonna be ten starts probably from neither of those two. Um, yeah. And that that could keep, you know, and I do think that Samsonov gets closer to 50 starts this year. So, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll go under. I think he's probably in that like 27, 28 range. Uh, so slightly under. But I have a sweet fucking clue. <laughs> so this one, this yeah, one's that, hard. That's like a yeah. static season where, you know, Samsonov just kind of looks good the whole way. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, he, he's in more of a backup role, but he could run away with it. You just never know. Yeah. So, it, yeah, you, you get over 30 in a, in a real hurry if, if you uh, if you start. Well, Samsonov you know, looks uh, like he's hurt once a game. So I mean, like, like yeah. they gotta remember that. <laughs> so there's, there could be a chance. There could be a chance for where Wall's this, the de facto starter for three months anyway. Yeah, well, Wall isn't exactly the uh, picture <laughs> of uh, you know health. We're fathers, back, baby. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's gonna be big for both of those guys and for the Leafs for those two guys to to stay healthy for the majority of the season. But you know, we didn't talk about it at all. But at least they do have the veteran depth after Martin Jones was able to sneak through waivers on monday mm-hmm. yeah yeah this might be one of the more interesting ones to to look back at the end of the season um certainly yeah like you say if, if you if you can run away with it that that would be uh that would be ideal that would be great nice homegrown goaltender 
been a while. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, the last segment for our preseason predictions, bold predictions. Well, I'll go first. Joseph Wall is going to be the starter for the Leafs by the end of the season, and he's going to start game one of the playoffs. Oh, I did this with Jack Campbell baby. a couple of years ago. It worked out. So uh, I, I'm going you with it again. Correct. All right. The soothsayer <laughs> has spoken. I mean, well, he's probably going to get hurt 10 games into the season, and, and that'll be the end of that. But anyway, <laughs> Keith. What do you got? He's saying that Matthew Nyes finishes second in Calder voting behind Connor Bedard, a bold prediction. Yes, that's very bold. I'd say, considering, I'd say how, <laughs> considering how many good good rookies there are in the NHL, it's, it's, it's a hell of a crop. Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. That's what I'll go with. All right. I think that's a pretty spicy one given the, you know, the, the crop of rookies beginning their NHL careers this year. <laughs> a lot of big names. Beyond Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Logan Cooley, Devin Levi, you know, Luke Hughes. There's just a, a wealth of talent, you know, jumping into the league. It's a good crop, but Matthew Nice is good too. So, hell yeah. I like it. I yeah, like it. I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, Taking in kind of a quick look, you know, obviously Bedard is, is the runaway favorite at the sports books right now. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, Hughes, you got Fantilli, you got Cooley. We mentioned Levi earlier. He can make his way in there. Uh, Matthew Nyes plus 2,500 or plus 2,000, uh, depending kind of where you look um, or w- when you look. Uh, Brant Clark, Shane Wright in the mix there. So yeah, I think I think second place among that crop that, that where's, qualifies. Where's, where's Slavkovsky? At? <laughs> um, I, I think he, I, he page, page isn't that long, bud. Did he play too many games? I think he played too many games last uh, year. Yeah. But um, let's let's reserve the Slavkovsky uh, conversation <laughs> just to, for maybe nine games. Give or us, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nine nine would be the perfect amount, I think. Um, okay. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, of course, Mitch Marner, as as we know, he's been right on the brink uh, <laughs> for numerous seasons now. My bold prediction is that Mitch Marner blows past 100 points and finishes with 120 plus on the season. I love it. I think he is primed for a massive season, not necessarily like heading into unrestricted free agency the way that Nylander is. But he is heading into the summer where he'll be able to start negotiating his contract extension. So it is something of a contract year. And, uh, you know, Mitch is my pick to be the MVP of the team this year. I just I think he does so much for this team. And there's just not a lot of guys in the league who impact all facets of the game the way that he does while being capable of putting up fucking 100 points. Absolutely. I like that one. Kate. Our boy, Mitch Marner. <laughs> that one's for Leifer. <laughs> Um. All right, that's what we got. You know what we forgot to do? What we forgot talk to remember? About Justin Fields. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to Damn. talk about football right now. <laughs> you are right. We 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 did not remember a leaf. Um. Okay. Uh. I'll I'll pull one out real quick. Uh. Remember Harold Druken? <laughs> yeah, New- <laughs> Newfoundland boy. There we go. How could Perfect. anyone forget him? <laughs> Yeah, a little East Coast flavor to, to to close out the show. Yeah, speaking of which, I uh, didn't mention it when we were talking about Colorado. Very excited for the McKinnon-Drew Ann reunion. Just had to get that in there. I don't know if it's going to mm. be good. I don't care. I'm excited. <laughs> Went to the McKinnon jersey retirement a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing if, if the magic can, uh, can reconnect a decade later. Yeah, it should be uh, fun to watch. 
And just before we wrap up, uh, don't really even know the full details behind this and, and we're out of time, but, uh, and obviously many, many more people with, uh, you know, more nuanced, um, intelligent things to say that, than I, but, uh, supposedly the NHL put out an edict today that, uh, pride tape is banned. And yeah. I just wanted fucking to say that that's some fucking backwards ass horse shit so that's now, all i did, wanted to finish did with. they say explicitly that pride tape was banned or was it that you just can't make any kind of statement for any kind of cause like does that mean that the there's no more like hockey fights cancer shit like what where, where does the line get drawn with shit like that like that just seems so stupid yeah it's always yeah, i have no idea one step forward 10 steps back with this yeah. fucking league man yeah. yeah great note to end on looking forward to a, another year of nhl hockey Anyway, go Leafs. Go Leafs, go. <laughs> <laughs>